Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, here we go again. Can you imagine? And here's the thing. I hear something over my headphones. Does the audience hear this, Mr. Producer? Kind of a humming? The audience is okay? Good. That's what counts. This is the fifth or sixth book come out in the last several weeks about Trump being pushed by publishing houses, Simon Schuster, which is owned by CBS, among others, and so forth. And every single one of them is an attack on Trump. Have you noticed this? Every single one of them gets big heading and front page, Washington Post, New York Times. Every single one of them is pushed by the reprobate Matt Drudge on his site. And this is Bob Woodward. He did interviews months ago, and yet the book is time to come out on September 15th. And the book was dropping on Amazon. It was number nine. So they had to pump it up. Now let me tell you how this works. The Washington Post has given certain snippets from the book that are intended to hype the book from the publisher. That information is given exclusively, unquote, to Matt Trudge. So Matt Trudge links to the Washington Post. This is how it works inside the Beltway and elsewhere. And now, now we have the Woodward book. And before that, we had the Michael Cohen book. Oh, my God. And what's the shocking information? That the President of the United States didn't want the American people to be panicked. See, the first President who didn't want the American people to be panicked... During the so-called Great Depression, FDR downplayed 
the Great Depression, after he got in office. There had been a run on the banks. The stock market had collapsed. He took steps, he believed, to firm them up. He told the public not to fear. The only thing you have to fear is fear itself. While he was scared to death that the entire economy would crater. When the Japanese attacked us in Pearl Harbor and we got into World War II, same thing. He didn't want to panic the American people in any respect. And other presidents have done the same thing. There's no issue here. It's not a big deal. But the media wants you to believe it's a big deal. That's why this is coming out now, less than two months before the election. The media are trying to elect Joe Biden and defeat Donald Trump. That's all you need to know. And then you have fools, like a guy by the name, I think it's Adam Blake, the media reporter, some, some such thing at the Washington Post. And of course, he comes in, and if you look at every one of his columns, they attack Trump, or they attack his surrogates, back Biden, back the Democrats on the Hill. He's a fraud. But I want to remind you of what took place all those months ago. Woodward would never do a book on Biden. Did he do a book on Biden? Biden's been in Washington 47 years. Did he go to Biden staffers and ex-staffers to write a book, Rage on Biden? Not a word. To write a book about Biden when he was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee and, and what he did, the various nominees? No, of course not. The endless Biden lies? No. Biden the bigot? No, 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 nothing about any of that. No. It's Trump. So they go to disgruntled former members of the Trump administration. This guy, General Mattis, is a saboteur. He's always a Democrat, but he's never been fired before. So he's very angry. It's like the the former head of the DNI, Dan Coats. Dan Coats was fired because he was an incompetent. He'd been a United States senator. You may remember him. He says, Putin must have something on Trump. Well, what did he have, Dan? Nothing. These people should never have been in high office, let alone have to be fired. But we never talked to anybody who Obama fired or Biden fired, who are disgruntled. They just have dreamy administrations. Have you noticed? Everything flows perfectly. Never a problem. And so no books. But they've tried everything so far. There's more to come. Woodward holds back until now. Woodward, you know, he gets the Washington Post and then all the other reporters pick it up because they like this stuff. Then he's going to be on 60 Minutes and they'll keep pushing it. Reprobate Drudge will be out there, although I think he's... He's sinking like a uh, rock. Woodward to appear on 60 Minutes. Former Intel Chief Dan Coates believed Putin had something on Trump. Who cares what he believes? Who cares? Now the actions the president took when it came to the virus were very aggressive. And he followed the science. So I, wanna, I want us to take a look at this briefly. Or maybe not so briefly. I want to remind you of what Anthony Fauci said in late January, January 21, January 26. 
Let's go to cut 10. Go. Bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? Well, I, you know, obviously you need to take it seriously and do the kinds of things that the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security are doing. But this is not a major threat for the people in the United States. And this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. Okay. And yet they hold Fauci up as the, uh, as the king of science. That's what he said. That's the information the president was receiving from Anthony Fauci. Five days later, he said the same thing. First time was Newsmax, second time the Cats Roundtable. Cut 11, go. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. Okay, that's January 26th. Now, interesting, a few days later, the president shut off travel to and from Red China, overruling Fauci. Overruling Fauci. Now, what about wearing masks? Where was the great Fauci back then? Now, this is March 8th. March 8th. On 60 Minutes. Cut 13, go. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really closely to this. uh, Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of health care providers needing them and people who are ill. So you heard him the end of January. Now, this is March 8th. March 8th, when the pandemic is spreading. March 8th. Now, our media, from January 25 to March 4th, This is what the media had to say. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon. Go. In late February, President Trump began downplaying the coronavirus by likening the illness to the seasonal flu. People are like, you know, I think I have the flu. Could it be the coronavirus? Overall, most people should not be terribly concerned about it. You definitely want to pay attention. Should they panic? No, Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, Mm -hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. Flu is a much bigger deal. There's an important context we need to keep this in, and that is that the flu is more deadly. Maybe this is a good opportunity to remind people of that. Such a good reminder. And while there's a lot of fear over this coronavirus, you know, the flu is already widespread in the U.S., and and it really is much more deadly, is it not? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. We're going to have forty to 60,000 deaths this year in the United States from the influenza, and it's preventable. And there are only 12 confirmed cases of coronavirus here in the state. The risk is low. The risk, however, for the flu is through the roof. Health warning from doctors why they say people should 
be more worried about the flu than the coronavirus. Half of the people in America do not get a flu shot, and the flu right now is far deadlier. So if you're freaked out at all about the coronavirus, you should be mm-hmm. more concerned about the flu. So you heard Fauci, and you heard the media during this same period of time. By the time you heard the last commenter, which was well into March, the president already shut down, had shut down significantly, travel from China to and from and Europe. It was well on the way towards attacking the virus. And then Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, on February 24th, 2020, February 24th, 2020, cut nine, go. It's exciting to be here, especially at this time, uh, to be able to be unified with our community. Uh, we want to be vigilant about what it might be on the, uh, what is out there in other places. We want to be careful about how we deal with it. But we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. Mm. Always the articulate one. Now, Anthony Fauci on Fox News today with this Woodward report out there being pushed by the very same media that was telling you this is not a big deal. The very same media with the Russia hoax. That media that hates Trump and will do anything to take him out and elect Biden. John Roberts, who is a very good reporter at Fox, this is how it went just a few hours ago. Cut to go. So did you get a sense that he was or wasn't playing this down? No. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get any sense that he was distorting anything. I mean, in my discussions with him, they were always straightforward about the, the concerns that we had. We related that to him. And uh, when he would go out and I'd hear him discussing the same sort of things, he would often say, we just got through with a briefing with the, the group from the task force and would talk about it. So, no, it may have happened, but I, I, I have not seen that kind of distortion. So he's unaware of it. He didn't see any distortion. Woodward has an audio, and the President of the United States said today, yes, I didn't want to create a panic in America. What Biden and the Democrats and the media are trying to take from that and project from that is he failed to act. That's simply not true. That's simply not true. I interviewed Anthony Fauci on March 22nd on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And in part, here's what he said. Cut 12, go. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it, impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck, is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full time on this, almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone uh, throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. Wow. Well, Joe Biden can. 
Well, we only have a minute left in this segment, not enough time, but I'm not done with my interview with Fauci. So you can see this is a completely non-issue. It is an utterly bogus issue. I'll be right back. Mark Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. It's a very short segment, so I don't have enough time, but I will play the... The rest of the part of the interview that I want you to hear with Fauci, you can see what a fraud this whole thing is. And Bob Woodward, in many ways, is a fraud. And after I play that clip after the bottom of the hour, I want to tell you more about Bob Woodward and how he conducts himself. Why he's loved at the Washington Compost in 60 Minutes. Why the reprobate, Matt Drudge, embraces him. And anything else that moves or doesn't move, as long as he can trash Trump. He, uh, and so I want to get into this a little bit about, uh, about how uh, Woodward conducts himself. Now, people will say, now, wait a minute, we have audio. Isn't it interesting? 24 hours ago, anonymous sources were the gold standard for the media. Now we have audio. Now that's the gold standard. You have audio of what? Of what? The president saying he doesn't want to panic the public? Isn't that a responsible thing to do? No, he's purposely killing people, says the idiot Biden. The mentally deranged, insane Joe Biden. What does that have to do with killing people? And by the way, I still challenge these numbers. The way they count the COVID deaths. I'm not saying it's not a deadly virus. It is a deadly virus particularly if you're elderly, particularly if you have comorbidities. It is an add-on. It is, a, it, is a, it, it is part of it. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mike Levin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. There's no bombshell here. There's no bombshell here. There's no cover-up here. Who cares what Mattis thinks? Mattis has been wrong. Who cares what Dan Coates thinks? We've had Grinnell... We have another DNI now who have been actually very supportive of the president's position. You don't hear them going on and on. Well, the president must be bought. Russians must have something on him. What Woodward does is he goes to people who have grudges. And then they just unload and Woodward writes it up. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And he's got audio of the president. Audio of the president saying, well, what is the big deal? There is no big deal. No big deal whatsoever. The president followed the science. He followed the advice he was given. He had his task force. He delegated authority to those who were organizing facts and information about a virus we've never seen before. And what happens? The Bernie Sanders of the world, the Bidens of the world, they jump So this must mean that Trump killed people. How sick is this? And so my interview with Fauci, let's go to cut 23, Mr. Producer, go. There's this statement put out, some in the press, some in the opposition party, the president, that the president doesn't follow the science. President following the science? Every single time that I, and, and I say every day, it's like almost every day. <laughs> it's not like once a month. Um, we, we're in the, in the task force meeting. There are several of us, myself included, I'm not the only one, that's a scientist or a public health person. There are other people who have other responsibilities, so we get a good sampling of, of expertise that you need. And it's led by the vice president. Secretary Azar is there as the secretary of HHS. And we talk about every aspect and we, we make all of our decisions and recommendations that are based on the science. I have never in that room had a situation where I said, scientifically, this is the right thing to do it, and they said, don't do it, or scientifically, this is the wrong thing to do, and they did it anyway. Then we get up and we present it to the president, 
and he asks a lot of questions. That's his nature. He's constantly asking you questions. And I never, in the multiple times that I've done that, where I said, for scientific reasons, we really should do this, that he hasn't said, let's do it. Or when he's decided, not decided, when he suggests, why don't we do this? And I say, no, that's really not a good idea from a scientific standpoint. He has never overruled me. So why didn't Aaron Blake of the Washington Compost include this audio, which is transcribed, in his article today? Why didn't he do that? Now, the science has been very confounding, as we know. They had models, and then they had models. They had models in the United States. They had models from all over the world. They had data. It was very confusing. As you can imagine, with a pandemic, the likes of which in modern times we've never seen, and a virus, the likes of which we've never seen. So the president is making decisions as best he can based on the science that's presented to him. And sometimes these models have changed and the advice has changed. And we've been right here behind this microphone talking about it every time it took place. There's nothing controversial about this. There's no bombshells here. This has been the most transparent process that I can ever remember. Was the pursuit of a vaccine for HIV, was that transparent? No, it was not transparent. It was a disaster. The swine flu 2009, was that transparent? No, it wasn't transparent. Obama cut off testing. He said, it's a pandemic. What else do we need to know? A disaster. And so they have tapes. Wow, the tapes. The tapes don't tell us anything. Who cares? The president didn't want to panic the public. Just like Bush 33 didn't want to panic the public. When the financial system was collapsing. FDR didn't want to panic the public when the banking system was collapsing. And when we were attacked at Pearl Harbor. Why would you want to panic the public? It creates more problems. What did Fauci say? Fauci said, after the fact, that he lied about the masks because he didn't want to run on the masks. They needed masks for first responders. Now, I don't believe that, but that's what he said. He didn't want to panic. We saw what happened with toilet paper. We saw what happened with bottled water. We saw what happened with paper towels. We saw what happened at hand sanitizer. You couldn't get any. That's what panic looks like. Wow. Trump must have killed people. Now listen to the idiots. Wow, this is a bombshell. And we have it on audio. Who cares if you have an audio or video? What's the problem exactly? There isn't one. Again, this is what Professor Borstein called in 1961 a pseudo-event. In other words, it's not really news of any consequence. It doesn't really inform the people, help the public to make decisions. It's another controversy, quote-unquote. It's the fifth book that tries to trash the president and trash his wife. The fifth book, right before an election. Now, what does that tell you? That's the controversy, is it not? You have an ex-general by the name of Mattis, who's leaking to the media. He's on and off the record. There's your Benedict Arnold. Isn't that shocking? You have John Kelly doing the same thing. 
They're both close friends. President fired their asses, and now they're angry. The same media that said he's got too many generals around him. And so now we're supposed to believe Mattis? Why? Or Dan Coats, who was a backbencher when he was in the Senate? Good for absolutely nothing. Weak as hell as the director of national intelligence. He's replaced. Now he's angry. So what? Who cares what Coates thinks? Who cares what Mattis thinks? Trump has no moral compass? Really? Now Trump's been president almost four years, ladies and gentlemen. Where has he been reckless exactly? Where has he had, quote, no moral compass exactly? And look at these people. Here we are in the most important election in our lifetime, and clearly one of the most important elections in American history, whether we're going to survive as a constitutional republic or not, whether we're going to survive under our founding principles of private property rights and individualism or not. And you got this, this schlock, this schmuck, drudge, pushing every tawdry, gossipy, nasty book he possibly can to try and destroy this presidency. Well, you know what? Unlike Drudge, I have kids and grandkids. And this country matters to me. This isn't a joke. This isn't about hits on your website. And unlike Woodward, who's going to make a fortune because he'll sell it to the same clowns through 60 Minutes and all the press, this isn't a joke to us. There's nothing here. Who cares? What is this? High school? Where Bob Woodward runs around, every disgruntled former employee of the President of the United States, and gets a quote, wow, look at that, it's really well-researched. And he has it on audio tape, it must be true. Anonymous, four anonymous. Well, we've checked the anonymous sources, they're unimpeachable. The same media, for three damn years, who dragged this country into the Russia hoax, who had no problem. With the FBI spying on the former president's campaign. No problem with lies to the FISA court. No problem with a phony dossier. No problem with criminalizing politics with Mueller. No problem with any of it. And they're at it again. You see burning, riots, violence, people killed. They call it mostly peaceful. They don't give a crap about this country. Bob Woodward can go to hell. One stupid-ass book after another. Now, I'm going to read this, what our wonderful sponsor has to say. We're going to take a break. Then I want to tell you a little bit more about Bob Woodward. What a sleazeball he is. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Once again, thanks to you, Patriots, Levinites all, we were number one overall audience on Sunday on our Fox program, number one, even though it was a rerun, on the interview of Attorney General Bill Barr. So I want to thank you. I think that's like five weeks in a row or whatever it is, because people like the format and like the way the questions are posed. They like to hear from the person that I'm questioning. And we dig a little bit more deeply and we get into substance that's relevant to your lives and relevant to what's going on in this country. The president did not minimize the coronavirus. He did not want a public panic. And they broke their asses to do everything they could to address it. I've played you my interview of Fauci that ran in March. I played you what the scientists said early on when they downplayed it, when the media downplayed it, when Nancy Pelosi downplayed it, when Joe Biden wasn't even focused on it. This is a non-issue. It's a hit job. And so what if they have audio? They have audio of nothing. It's like audio of somebody eating dinner. Well, we have an audio here. Oh, yeah. And then we have anonymous sources with The Atlantic, and then we have a convicted lying felon with Michael Cohen, and goes on and on and on. Michael Cohen, the Michael Avenatti, their latest, their latest Michael Avenatti type. Any port in a storm with the left. Any port in a storm. Fauci says, I don't think we were misled on anything. It's incredible. Don't buy this crap book. I know you won't anyway. I know you won't anyway. Well, what, what, what did you mean by panic? Well, I don't know. You know, like we saw what happened to toilet paper and masks and paper towels and hand sanitizer. That kind of panic where people were very, very worried. There's nothing misleading about it. Presidents are trying to manage and be statesmen and try to take care of a situation that's taking place. And then Joe Biden's out there, truly like a, a dementia patient, going loud. And he killed people because he, did, he didn't act quickly enough. He killed people. He killed them. <laughs> Turn the teleprompter. Change it. Raise it. Lower it. I can't, I can't read it. Shut up, you idiot. 
They wind you up and push you out and then grab you back before anybody can ask you any questions about China and Hunter Biden and the Ukraine and, and Tara Reid. Hurry up, yank him back, yank him back. What exactly would he do? Well, would have acted earlier. Right after I had my cream of wheat, I would have acted earlier. Yeah, I really would have. These two clowns, Biden and Harris. The, uh, the team of Biden and Harris. Like Sakon Vansetti. Who the hell knows what they would have done? They don't do anything. They literally don't do anything. Well, we would have. Oh, shut up. What do you mean we would have? We're better at this. We, we're not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the last week for the Genesel summer blowout sale. Get a $30 instant coupon. It's applied automatically to your online or phone order. It's that easy. Just go to Genesel.com or call 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Listen to what Beverly from Huntsville, Alabama had to say about Genesel. Oh my God, I love this product. I saw a difference the second time I used it. And recommend to everyone if they have a problem with their jawline. My daughter even told me I look younger than I did last week. And you know what's interesting? The president keeps plugging along. He keeps doing things that are in the best interest of the American people. And the media keep ignoring it. He added 20 names to his list of 20 already. He's put out 40 names. 40. Of possible Supreme Court nominees. 40. And he's got one test for all of them. That they uphold the Constitution of the United States. Joe Biden won't put out his list. You want to know why? Because people like me and you will analyze that list. And then you'll see what a radical nut job he is or he's being controlled by. You'll see that our court system will be utterly destroyed. So this is something they're going to hide. Notice the media don't even ask him any questions. Joe, who would you put to the Supreme Court? Nothing. Now he was out there today yelling like a mental patient that Trump had killed people. This is how sick it is. Not Cuomo killed people. Not Murphy killed people. Not Pritzker killed people. Not Newsom killed people. Not that the rioters killed people or Antifa or, or, or Black Lives No, 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 no. Trump killed people. These are loathsome people who make unconscionable statements. And then there's the books. Oh, I forgot one. Another schmuck at the New York Times, Schmidt or whatever his name. Six of them out there. Right before the election. Six. All being pushed by the putts. Drudge. All being pushed by the media. They don't care who writes it. Michael Cohen. Convicted felon. That's okay. This is the, this is the same media that was pushing uh, uh, Stormy Daniels and uh, Avenatti and the crackpot the psychologist from you. Doesn't matter. What well, about we have an audio, Mark? An audio. So what? You have an audio. All right, lots more. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877 381 Please keep uh, track of uh, what I post on Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook. Because as I get breaking information uh, right away and I, it comes over the transom, I try and post it as quickly as I can. Morning, noon, and night. And nobody knows that better than Mr. Producer. Since I sent it to him to post, and he said, oh my God, another one? What's that? Oh, and Parlor. I apologize. Absolutely Parlor. We love Parlor here. Now, before I get into Woods, uh, what's his name? Woodward. I want to read something to you that was posted the other day and was sent to me by a friend of, uh, of ours. It was posted on uh, Facebook, my Facebook site, by Rob Bell. He wrote, I started listening to Mark Levin around 2011, I think. I have to admit, I only listen for entertainment purposes. I would say to myself, who's this crazy white man ranting and raving? Obviously, Mr. Bell is an African-American. I would only listen to get a laugh. But then one day, he did a show on the history of the Democrat Party. I thought he was lying. I thought to myself... If what Mark says is true, then why are all the black people Democrats? Little did I know. And then one day, Mark Levin asked a question I simply could not ignore. He said, if Obamacare is so wonderful, why won't Obama participate in it? Why are members of Congress allowed to make laws that they themselves are exempt from? Mark asked more questions, but these questions forever changed how I viewed things. In the interest of full disclosure, I served 19 consecutive years for armed robbery. Mark Levin carried me through half of those years. And I've learned so much from him. People often ask me, how do you know all this stuff? I always give credit to Mark Levin. My wife and I used to be hardcore leftists. I am proud to say that I am a proud black conservative because of Mr. Levin's show. It is my dream to meet him one day. He is my hero. I know I'm just an old crook, but he helped me change, and I have a new pride for my country. Thank you, Mr. Levin, for your brave service to our country. And Mr. Bell, we're going to try and make that work at some point. We're going to try and make that work. And I am honored to receive that from you, and I want to thank you for turning your life around and and now you're a contributing patriotic citizen. We've all people from all walks of life listening to this program in prisons in Capitol Hill, in the White House and newsrooms. Republicans, Democrats, communists, independents, everything. But that was very heartening. Very hardening when you can have an effect on somebody's life. You know, I like to think I'm part of your family. 
I like to think I'm a little piece of your life as you are mine. But I can't possibly see you all or know you all or hear all of you while you hear me. But this is why I always tell you how honored I am and blessed I am to be here and to thank you. I am here for one reason. I changed my career from a practicing lawyer to this. Because I want to save our country. Because I want to advance the cause of our founding principles. That's why I'm here. I have enough money. I can retire right now and not look back. Then go off to Never Never Land. I don't have to write any more books. It is a very difficult process. I don't have to do Fox and Levin TV and radio and write books and work 20 hours a day. I'm not complaining in the least. But the more there's Antifa, the more there's Black Lives Matter, the more there is the, the Democrat Party, which has been an evil in this country for so long, the more that we have a corrupt media, the more that I see good, innocent people being abused, both physically and otherwise, or I see people who step up like Donald Trump to try and protect this country and advance its cause, the more I have to fight. I don't know what it is. But I think most of you have it in your heart and soul too. Then it is a great honor to receive a comment like that from Mr. Bell. Who did something terrible, served his time, and has completely turned around. By the way, I meant Lee Bell. I apologize. It's Lee Bell, not Rob Bell. We'll try and figure out how to meet, <clears throat> and it would be my honor. I want to get back to Bob, to, uh, to Woodward, Bob Woodward. I don't want to spend my whole life chasing down every one of these attacks, but I have to address them. If I don't address them thoroughly, they're not going to get addressed. Back on May 14, 2012, in the notoriously lousy Daily Beast, another left-wing site, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Himmelman wrote about Bob Woodson. It's Bob Woodson. Bob Woodward. Bob Woodson's a great man. Bob Woodward, quite the contrary. The title was Jeff Himmelman, The Storm Over My Ben Bradley Book, Yours in Truth. And I will begin this. And if necessary, continue it after the break, just so you have a fuller context. Jeff Himmelman writes, in April 1974, a few months before President Nixon resigned, Ben Bradley, the executive editor of the Washington Post, gave one of the most thoughtful speeches of his life. In it, he talked about the fact that journalism is produced in an adversary environment where the goals of the reported inherently conflict with the goals of the reporter and the reader. Of course, except if you're a Democrat in Biden. It is this daily conflict that gives concrete importance and meaning to the First Amendment, to freedom of the press, said Ben. Without that freedom, there's no conflict, and without that conflict, there's no truth. Himmelman says, during the past two weeks, my former boss, he worked for Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward. So Himmelman was a journalist at the Post, too. My former boss, Bob Woodward, has compared me to Richard Nixon, 
referred to me in the pages of the Washington Post and the New York Times as dishonest, and generally attempted to discredit me and my authorized biography of Ben Bradley, entitled Yours in Truth, which was released by Random House last Tuesday. The prevailing narrative in nearly every description of my work thus far, much of which has been influenced by Bob Woodward, is that I betrayed my former mentor, that is Woodward, to write a cheap tell-all. The New York Times, in a style section piece published Sunday, compares my book, a 473-page deeply researched portrait of Bradley, to the novel The Devil Wears Prada. In other words, he's under attack because he dared to write a book exposing Bradley and Woodward. Bob and others are after me, not because I violated agreements or published things that I didn't have approval to publish, but because of where the story led me and what I felt obligated to report. In 2000, in a dedication to his book Maestro, which I helped to report and write, Bob wrote of me, his standards of accuracy and fairness are the absolute highest. No one ever did more or better in the crucible of book writing. Those standards have not changed. It's just that I uncovered some information that Bob Woodward happens not to like. And he's doing everything he can to distract attention from it. If there's any lesson that Ben Bradley taught me in the four years I spent working with and studying him, it is that powerful people rarely welcome the truth and will often go to great lengths to keep it from coming out. Ben dealt with that throughout his career, and I'm seeing it firsthand right now with Bob Woodward. Let's address this so-called betrayal narrative head on. Bob Woodward was my full-time boss from 1999 to 2002. In 2007, when I was back helping him out for a few months, he introduced me to Ben Bradley and his wife Sally Quinn for a possible book project of Ben's. 2008, I co-authored a book with Ben and Sally's son, Quinn. And in that same year, Ben and Sally gave me permission to write a book about Ben with no strings attached. In 2010, while digging through some newly arrived boxes from Ben's archives, I came across an interview that Ben had done in 1990. In it, when asked about Bob Woodward's depiction of his relationship with Deep Throat, the garage meetings, the flag in the flower pot, Bradley had said, among other things, there's a residual fear in my soul that that isn't quite straight. For the editor of the Washington Post, during Watergate, to have had these kinds of doubts in 1990, while he was still the executive editor of the Washington Post, deserved further exploration. This is important. I hope you're, watching, you're listening. I brought Ben's comments and a follow-up interview that I had conducted about them with Bradley in 2010 to Woodward's house in March of last year to get his reaction. Four days later, as I recount in the book, Woodward came to Bradley's house and made an impassioned plea first to Bradley and then to me, to leave that material out of my book. Woodward, the champion of free speech and a reporter's right to report the truth, directly commanded me not to use material that he thought might make him look bad. Quote, don't use the quotes, Jeff. Why? Because doing so would, as he said, give fodder to the effers out there. Now I was faced with a choice. Obey my former boss, boss Woodward? and ignore a historically relevant comment made by the subject of my book, Bradley, purely to please Woodward, or stick to my reporting. Any journalist knows that this is not actually a choice. When I asked Bradley about it again in the wake of Woodward's reaction, Bradley stood by his comment from 1990, 
and repeatedly expressed his support of my decision to report it, with a caveat that he was only doubting some of the Hollywood aspects of the portrayal of Deep Throat, not the reporting that went into the Washington Post. The second reason I think that Woodward has decided to come after me, and the only reason he has given me for why he's calling my reporting dishonest, is that I did not bring the grand juror memo to him and to Carl Bernstein for comment before I finished writing my book. In the course of my research, I discovered evidence that Carl and Bob had conducted an interview with a Watergate grand juror. This is an allegation they've consistently denied. As recently as last year, Woodward told a crowd at the Pointer Institute, an educational organization for journalists, that he and Bernstein got nothing from the grand jurors. The memo, written by Bernstein, was dispositive. Such quotes as, of course I was on the grand jury, appear on the memo's first page. I didn't need Bernstein or, or Woodward to tell me what I was looking at. So I brought the memo to Ben Bradley, the subject of my book, let's not forget, and elicited his reaction to the memo and the penetration of the grand jury, which I included in Yours in Truth. In a letter published in response to the excerpt in the New York Magazine, Woodward and Bernstein do not challenge the accuracy of my reporting about the grand jury penetration, only its historical weight. An additional aspect of the so-called betrayal narrative hinges on some of the personal details I included in the book. In Sunday's New York Times Styles piece about me, people close to Sally Quinn allege that I used private family moments I wasn't supposed to use. The vast majority of my book is sourced in primary documents and interviews. Notes are available, any places where, but I did recount a few social conversations. Let me be clear why. First, the Washington Post, its personnel, and other aspects of Bradley's life were frequent subjects during meals I shared with Ben and his family and friends. On all these occasions, Sally, Bob, and many of the others who came to table were acutely aware of my role as Ben's authorized biographer would often make comments that were unequivocally aimed at me at the historical record. Second, Bradley wrote an entire book in 1975, Conversations with Kennedy, largely based on his notes of intimate conversations and private interactions with his friend John Kennedy. Sally's been the master of hard-nosed, compelling, take-no-prisoners profiles, based in part on what she was able to observe in social situations. Everybody knew I was also wearing my hat as Ben's biographer. In the permission letter that both Ben and Sally signed when I undertook my book, Ben wrote, and he says he gave him authority. You and I have a great relationship, and there's nothing you can do in this book that's going to change it, said Bradley to Himmelman. This was a consistent attitude. Once at dinner, Ben raised his glass and said, I don't give an F what you write about me, and so forth. Been a hard couple of weeks. My journalistic responsibilities were always clear to me. That doesn't mean any of this was easy. The allegations of betrayal sting. Even though I think they're completely unfounded, I wish it could have been different. But I didn't think the reaction thus far is a reaction to what I've written in my book. Anybody who alleges that yours in truth cast Ben in a bad light as the Times reporter did simply hasn't read it. So we get out of this book that a central part a central part in Deep Throat was really not believed by Ben Bradley. The garage meetings and the flower pot. That that was Hollywood. We get out of the book that when Bernstein and Woodward were saying 
but they never penetrated the grand jury. They were lying, according to a memo that other reporter found. There have been serious questions raised about Woodward doing his book also on Bill Casey, whose widow at the time said that he was unconscious when Woodward said he would sneak into the hospital room and interview Casey. Now, I'm not saying that the audio of Trump is illegitimate or not accurate. It is accurate. What I'm saying is what motivates Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward is motivated by profit, by self-promotion, by power to try and destroy a presidency. He, like Mattis, like Coates, like Kelly, like Bolton, they want to destroy this president. Not through the ballot box, but through the pen and through the word. And they have more comrades than you can imagine in the American media, including Bob Woodward and Matt Drudge. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. The President of the United States was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize by a Norwegian gentleman who's being attacked by the American media as a right-winger. You never hear the phrase left-winger, do you? Anybody who stands up to Black Lives Matter or Antifa is a white supremacist or a right-winger or part of some group. Here have this Norwegian member of their parliament who nominated the President of the United States, our President, for the Nobel Peace Prize, which he clearly deserves. By any standard, he clearly deserves. He's a right-winger! Oh. Well, then, it must be illegitimate. President's also added another 20 names to his list of 20 as possible Supreme Court nominees. They're absolutely outstanding. You, the American people, can make a judgment on your own. He's picked constitutionalists to put on that list. Where's Joe Biden's list? There is no list. Joe Biden is screaming at the top of his lungs like he's in a padded room that the President of the United States killed people. Now, is that who you want as President of the United States? A moron like that? Sounds like some homeless guy on a soapbox on the corner wearing a raincoat trying to sell cigarettes? I'll be right back. This 
is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. What does COVID-19 have to do with losing your home? A lot. The FBI reported that since the virus struck, cybercrime is up 75%. And it gets worse. The legal title to all our homes are online now. The crime is called home title theft, and it's everywhere. Cyber criminals find the title to your home online, forge your signature on a quitclaim deed, and refile as the new owner of your home. Then you're off your own title. Then they destroy you by taking out loans against your home. They steal the cash and stick you with the payments. You may not know until you get late payment or foreclosure notices. In other words, you won't know until it's too late. Home Title Lock protects your home's legal title. Your home is your most valuable asset, your safe haven. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect tampering, they shut it down. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a a victim. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Now, when you go to HomeTitleLock.com, enter code MARK. Code MARK, you'll get 30 free days of protection right off the top. That's HomeTitleLock.com, code MARK, HomeTitleLock.com, code MARK. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one thing Biden is good at is being a parrot. That is, regurgitating what he hears. And so he's trying to take from Donald Trump his appeal to blue-collar workers, union and non-workers. And he's trying to appeal in particular to industrial workers. Now, I would ask those people who work on assembly lines, whether it's automobiles, who work in steel mills, who work in the oil patch, men and women who get dirt under the nails, I would ask you a question. How has Joe Biden helped you in 47 years in Washington, D.C.? I don't care what your union bosses say. I'm talking about the membership. How has he helped you in all those years? He didn't take on China. And tomorrow I'm going to talk more about this. The great Peter Schweitzer. There is no researcher in his little team, no researcher group any better than them. And he's looked very aggressively at Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And you're going to learn a hell of a lot with this documentary. Again, I'm going to push it hard tomorrow. I want everybody who thinks that Joe Biden is a union man, a blue-collar man, a working man, a lunch bucket man, I want you to watch this. Joe Biden is a multi-multi-millionaire. His son, Hunter, is a multi-multi-millionaire. His brother is a multi-multi-millionaire. They have produced nothing. They've used his positions and his name to enrich themselves. And even more than Ukraine... They've used China, China, to enrich the family. And you think you know everything about it, but you don't. You won't find this on the Drudge Report. You won't find this on the front page of the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. You won't hear it from the blow-up dummies on CNN and MSNBC. You won't hear it on network news. Instead, you'll get Bob Woodward and Michael Cohen. Like you got Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels. It is a shocking tale of betrayal of the United States. 
And Joe Biden's excuse always is, my son keeps his business to himself and he doesn't tell me what he's doing. May I ask you each a question, mothers and fathers, grandfathers and grandmothers? If your son or daughter, your grandson or your granddaughter was doing business with a genocidal communist regime and getting rich, very, very rich off it, wouldn't you want to know what they're doing? Particularly if you were vice president of the United States or if you're running for president of the United States. It's no defense to say we keep our businesses separate. That's not a defense. Not only do I not believe it, but that's really beside the point. You're vice president of the United States. If I'm vice president of the United States and I think one of my kids is doing something with China, I want to know exactly what they're doing. I want to know exactly what they're doing. And more times than not, I want to tell them to cut it out. But Joe Biden says he doesn't know. But whatever it is, it's okay. This is very serious. Where's Woodward? Where's Bolton? Where's the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes? Where's the Fudge Report? Where are all of them? They're nowhere. Why? Don't they care about our country? Apparently not. No, 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 no. You don't understand. We have audio of the president. So what? Apparently they don't care. Pretty shocking. Yes. And Joe Biden's out there throwing political Molotov cocktails in every direction. He doesn't have a clue how to have dealt with this virus, even when he had an IQ of about four points higher than his negative 17 today. He didn't have a clue what to do with the swine flu or H1N1, and neither did his buddy Obama. They screwed it up from beginning to end. They're lucky it wasn't the Wuhan China flu. Can you imagine how many people, I'll use their language, how many people Joe Biden would have killed? Maybe he would have killed more people than the governor of New York, who killed all those senior citizens in nursing homes and assisted living homes. Or maybe he would have killed more people than the governor Murphy of New Jersey. Or maybe he would have killed more people than the governor of California, Newsom. Or maybe he would have killed more people than the governor of Illinois, Pritzker. You know, these Democrats, they're killers. Using their language. They've never been big on life anyway. Abortion on demand, infanticide, paid for by the taxpayers. But it is interesting. Now what should the president have done differently? He followed the scientists. He shut down the economy. He should have acted quicker. How could he have acted quicker? He shut down the economy during impeachment? I mean, does this make any sense if you think it through? And guess what? The last poll I saw, and of course the polls are the polls, you can't really believe them all, but still, let's play along. 17% higher rating for Obama, Obama, you're right, right, for a Biden and Harris and how they would have handled the virus than Trump is. We're surrounded by idiots. We have to admit it. There's a big idiot vote out there. It's part of the Democrat base. All of a sudden, they're concerned about race riots because of the polls. Polls. Here's what I don't get, and I know you don't either, but it's really bizarre. 
You have these people who would rather defeat Trump than save the country. Mattis, Kelly, Bolton, Coates. They're trying to settle personal scores. Trying to settle personal scores. They're prepared to see the party of Black Lives Matter, the party of Antifa, the party of Marxist anarchists, the anti-free speech, the anti-Bill of Rights, the anti-Constitution party win. Then Trump win. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? I spoke to my... uh, my beloved former boss and mentor, Attorney General Meese today. And he had a way of putting it that really was quite poignant as far as I'm concerned. He said, obviously, he's shaking things up. He's shaking Washington up. He's unraveling the establishment. Or they wouldn't be trying to destroy him every minute of every day. And there it is. That's the truth. That's the truth. Whether it's the top brass at the Pentagon, whether it's the CDC and the FDA, whether it's members of Congress, it's one thing to say you're going to change Washington. It's one thing to say you're going to take on the establishment to get elected. But when you actually do, You must be destroyed. Donald Trump, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I believe he would have won re-election in a cakewalk. In a cakewalk. Despite all of his enemies arrayed against him, the most powerful people in the country, if not the planet, the most powerful institutions in the country, if not the planet, They all have one thing in common. They are tied to Washington. They are tied to the establishment. They are tied to big government. Regardless of their ideology or their party pedigree. That's what they all have in common. Jim Mattis didn't understand that he's not the commander in chief. John Kelly didn't understand how to serve as commander-in-chief, as chief of staff. Dan Coats was a lousy senator and a lousy director of national intelligence. They all needed to go. Abraham Lincoln fired at least half a dozen generals. Shook up his cabinet. Did he not have a moral center either? I look at this clown Mattis. Here you have Donald Trump, who has done more from a federal governmental perspective for the minority communities in this country than Obama and Biden in eight years, than Clinton and Gore in eight years, than Nancy Pelosi in 400 years, and Chuck Schumer in 500 years. Donald Trump has done more than the entire Democrat Party, than the leadership of the Democrat Party, than the first black president, all combined. 
for the black community. Look at the Jewish community. Two-thirds to three-fourths of which hate his guts. He's done more to defend Jews on our college campuses, religious liberty, and life than any president in my lifetime. He's done more to support the little country of Israel than any president, period. He could have thrown in with the Arabs and the Muslims. Life would have been easier for him. But he didn't. But he didn't. The veterans in this country. Donald Trump has done more to support the veterans in this country than any president in modern history. By doing just one thing. Doing something that was thought unimaginable. Taking on the entrenched bureaucracy at the Veterans Administration and beating it. And now providing choice for veterans. And now allowing management at the VA to actually fire people who mistreat and disrespect our veterans. Donald Trump has done more to secure our southern border than any president since Dwight Eisenhower. He said he would build a wall. The Democrats and some Republicans in Congress did everything they could, humanly possible, to obstruct him. They denied him the money. And he used various budgets and various departments and appropriations, upheld, by the way, by the U.S. Supreme Court, as I knew it would be, as I told you it would be, to defend this country and secure its border. By the end of the year, there'll be over 400 miles of brand new walls and fencing. They said it couldn't be done, but it was done. The left-wing academics and intellectuals hate Trump's guts, even in all our historically black colleges. And yet, Donald Trump has ensured a stream of permanent funding at levels never seen before in our historically black colleges. He doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. But he did it. Donald Trump is pushing for school choice. So that mostly minority kids in pool neighborhoods have a chance to get educated and get out. And make money. Become part of the system. No president has pushed as hard as Donald Trump on school choice. None. None. He's opposed by the Democrat Party. He's opposed by groups like the NAACP, but he fights. Donald Trump is cozy with dictators, they say. Really? Well, ask the regime in Iran, which is about to collapse. Ask the regime in China, who backs Biden. Ask the regime under Putin, who's never faced such severe sanctions. Ask them what they think. Oh, and it was Obama and Biden who kissed up the Xi and the Castros and the Iranians and all the rest. It is they who like fascists and communists and all kinds of dictators. I'll be right back. Lovin.
We still have the most compelling third hour in radio coming up, but I also want to take some of your calls. I don't want to be rude. People have been waiting a long time. Where am I here, Mr. Producer? You know, I know you love freedom because you're here. You're listening to this program. There's many other things you could be doing. This show and everything I do is about preserving freedom in the form of government that secures it. It's the same with Hillsdale College. Hillsdale's committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom no matter what they major in, science, music, economics, or business. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you too through their free monthly digest of conservative thought called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can too. Particularly now before the election. And it's also a great tool for homeschooling. And you friends and fellow freedom lovers, you should read it. And you can subscribe right now for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Let me tell you what goes on here, a little bit of background. Publishers and authors have decided to swamp the book market right before the election, haven't they, Mr. Producer? Particularly this election, we've never seen so many books and so many authors who wish to come on the program. Now, I cannot turn this show into book notes on C-SPAN. I cannot turn Levin TV into book notes. I cannot turn Life, Liberty, and Levin into book notes. If the book has some currency right before the election, maybe so, but that is my focus. One of the things we're going to do here in the coming days, starting with today, actually, is I'm going to bring individuals on this program after the 8.30 time in the third hour of this program who are running for the House of Representatives who have a good shot of winning their districts in very close marginal races. And I'm going to bring a dozen or two on this program over the course of the next 55 days so you can become familiar with some of them. Because in addition to winning the presidency and holding the Senate, there's a lot of focus on the Senate. We have got to remove Nancy Pelosi. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, you've heard about this Marxist anarchist, violent, anti-Semitic group called Black Lives Matter, which is supported by the Democrats, supported by the NBA, the NFL, supported by MLB, supported by even the National Hockey League. What about Hispanic lives? Do they matter? Do Hispanic lives matter? New polls show Joe Biden, this is from Business Insider, struggling to appeal to Latino voters in Florida. He boosted Donald Trump in the critical swing state. How do you like that? And so uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are both fighting to energize the Latino vote and win Florida's 29 electoral votes. Recent poll conducted by Ben Dixon and Amandi International and the Miami Herald showed Joe Biden leading Donald Trump 55 to 38 percent in McDade in Miami-Dade County, Florida. A new NBC Marist poll showed Joe Biden and Trump tied with 48 percent among likely voters in Florida. The same poll showing Trump ahead 50 to 46 percent among likely Latino voters statewide. Business Insider previously reported Biden was underperforming with Latino voters even before the start of the 2020 Democratic primaries. This is why I ask Hispanic voters. This is why I ask. For the Democrats, do Hispanic lives matter? Joe Biden is currently underperforming among Latino voters in Florida, according to two recently released polls. Numbers present a challenge for Biden, who hopes to attract significant Latino support and exceed the electoral performance of the last two Democratic presidential nominees, Obama and Clinton. 2012, Obama won Miami Day by 24 percentage points, 62 to 38. He won Florida's Hispanic vote with 60% of the vote, while narrowly losing 48 to 52 the statewide Cubano-American vote to Republican Mitt Romney. Four years later, Clinton defeated Trump by 30 points, 64-34, Miami-Dade. She won the statewide Hispanic vote 62-35, to but fell behind Obama's performance with Cuban voters in Florida, trailing Trump 41-54. to An NBC News Marist Florida poll conducted August 31 through September 6, released two days ago, Actually, yesterday, yesterday, showed Biden and Trump tied at 48% among likely voters, with Trump edging out Biden's 48 to 47 with registered voters. Trump leads Biden 50 to 46 among likely Latino voters, according to the survey. Biden's soft support among Latino voters has been an issue for months. And so the Biden campaign launched a national voter outreach campaign that will work in conjunction with Latino business leaders to promote blah, 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 blah. Biden hasn't done a damn thing for the African-American community. He hasn't done a damn thing for the Hispanic community. Not a damn thing. In 4,000 years in Washington, D.C. But I asked the question. We keep hearing about Black Lives Matter. Do Hispanic lives matter? I think it's a fair question. 
Nobody's ever asked it. So I'm asking it. Because the Democrat Party never mentions it. Democrat Party never mentions it. It takes the Hispanic vote for granted. By the way, it takes all minority votes for granted, but it takes the Hispanic vote for granted. Will Joe Biden ever face tough questions during his campaign? Asked Carolyn Castor, the Miami Herald. The answer is no. And God knows there's a lot of questions that could be asked Joe Biden. A lot of questions. But instead, we have to deal with these stupid books timed before the election, phony news agencies pushing them, phony websites pushing them. Oh, did you hear what uh, Dan Coates had to say? Who the hell's Dan Coates? I don't know, but oh my God. How about Mattis? Well, why do we care Mattis? I don't know, but did you hear what Mattis had to say? Oh, no, I didn't hear that. Oh, we have audio of the President of the United States. What did he say? He said, look, I don't want to panic the American people. Well, he's trying to kill people. That's right. He's killing people. There it is, blared in pornographic red up there on the Drudge Report. Must be true. Mediate. Dan Abrams, ABC News, legal analyst. He's got it up there. Oh, my God. It's another book. The good news is the Democrat base barely reads. Barely reads. And so the people who buy these books are the same people who always buy these books. The Marxist left-wing college-educated whites. They buy these books. They entertain themselves. But he's not going to face any tough questions, Joe Biden. He's going to be 78 years old, God forbid, if he's sworn in. 78. Which is about the average lifespan of a male in this country. He'll take no questions about his mental health. He'll take no questions about any medical records. He'll take no questions about the radical positions he's taken on his attack on fossil fuels and fracking. Oh, no, no, did I say that? I didn't mean that, as he talks at a at least both sides of his mouth. He wants unions to support him. But he hates the rank and file, hates them. And Trump's right, he exports jobs to Red China. Why? Well, it's very lucrative for his family, that's one reason. People need to look in the mirror and truly decide. Blue-collar workers, union, non-union... What really did Obama-Biden do for you? What did Biden do for you all those decades in the Senate? He can run all those flashy ads he wants. What did he do for the United States military? Bo Biden aside, Joe Biden is no Bo Biden. What did he do for the United States military? The real question is, what did he do to the United States military? You really have to think about this. They know it's very weak when it comes to the Department of Defense and the people who work there and the people who fight our wars. That's exactly why The Atlantic did the story it did with four anonymous people. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. What exactly would Joe Biden and Kamala Harris do to prevent the riots and address Black Lives Matter and Antifa if they're not going to address them now, prior to a national election for President and Vice President of the United States? Can you imagine? God forbid if they win, what are they going to do then? They're going to embrace them. That's exactly what they're going to do. Biden was accused by a young lady, liberal, Democrat, former staffer, of rape. That is, of molesting her, digitally. 
Whatever happened to that? I mean, they tracked down every girlfriend that uh, Donald Trump had when he was 13 years old or 15. Whatever happened to that? Nothing. And the other women who came forward, nothing. Instead, he goes out to Kenosha, Wisconsin. He and the dummy vice president that he's got, the vice presidential nominee, Kamala Harris. And they praise this guy who raped his ex-girlfriend. And sexually assaulted her while one of her little kids was in bed. And had a protective order against him. Where are all the women in Hollywood? Nowhere. Nowhere. Where's the Me Too movement? Nowhere. Nowhere. And then we know this, but I like the way Betsy McCauley puts it. In real clear politics, Democrats plot to abolish election night. She's exactly right. She says the left and its media allies are warning Americans not to expect a winner on election night. If Donald Trump leads on November 3, the victory will be nothing more than a red mirage, says Josh Mendelson whose firm consults for the Democrat National Committee. In the days or weeks afterward, a Trump victory will be beaten back and undone as mail-in ballots tip the election for Joe Biden, predicts New York Slimes columnist David Brooks. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances, warns Hillary Clinton, as you've heard. Don't swallow this propaganda. That election night victories are a thing of the past because of mail-in voting. Election night is a hallmark of American democracy. The public should be demanding the easy reforms that would protect it. The 2020 election is likely to come down to a few battleground states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Minnesota. Unless these states reform their election laws now on election night, they'll be swamped with uncounted mail-in votes. States need to require that mail-in ballots are received well in advance of election day. Count it as they come. Betsy McCauley, that's the problem. They don't want to be. They want the chaos. Heads I win, tails you lose. That's their mindset. Trump wins. They're going to claim he lost. Trump's behind and he brings lawsuits to challenge all this mail-in nonsense. They're going to claim he's a dictator. It's all planned. I've been talking about it for months. That's the plan. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. By the way, the candidate we're going to talk to at the bottom of the hour, Alec Scarlatos. Ever hear that name, Mr. Producer? He's running for the Oregon 5th Congressional District. Remember the uh, story of the, uh, the three Americans who were on the train in France? And the terrorist bolts out of the bathroom in the front car of the train. Remember that? And they take down the terrorist? One of those heroes was Alec Scarlatos, and he's running for Congress in Oregon's 4th Congressional District. against an individual who's been there for decades and who does not properly represent his district. He represents San Francisco and Nancy Pelosi. We'll talk more about that. These are tremendous candidates that I'm going to bring to your attention. Very, very important that we, that we help them as well. We need to remove Nancy Pelosi. We need to send her back to her ice cream and her... Uh, well, she needs some work. Her face continues to melt into her mouth. As I've said many times before, she's got four eyebrows. And obviously the hair salon's not fixing anything. I say this, of course, with the greatest of respect for Eva Pelosi. All right, let's slip in a few calls here. Let's see. Kevin, Los Angeles, California. Our great affiliate, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go! Sir, it's great speaking with you once again. Thank I have you. three short um, uh, talking points I'd like to go over with you real quick and get your opinion. You got the it. first on Woodward. Why did President Trump uh, sit and give an interview to him, knowing full well that Woodward is pretty much an enemy towards him? Do you think he hasn't? President Trump has an agenda. No, I and, think the president probably thought he could reason with him, but. You should never sit down with Woodward. He's a uh, fraud, and he's out to get you. Yeah. Even though the talking points that he had mentioned, he said to the American public, so there was no discrepancy on that. Uh, There's really no issue here, is there? I don't know what the controversy is, but they're trying to make one. It's blared all over these phony websites. It's going to be on 60 Minutes with the tick, 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 tick. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, the Democrats want to destroy the country. The uh, regime in China is on the move. The regime in, uh, in Russia is on the move. Uh, and, uh, but here's the good news. We really are turning the corner on the Wuhan China virus. And we have turned the corner. We really have turned the corner on the economy. The economy is dying to explode in growth. We have a couple of these big state governors who have their knees on the throats of the economy in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Michigan, and California, and a few others. But the economy... You know, it's like water that finds cracks. It's going to grow. It's getting better and better and better as long as Biden and, and uh, Harris and the other pseudo-Marxists, uh, not pseudo, neo-Marxists, aren't in power. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. And my second question, um, do you think that President Trump should accept the Nobel Peace Prize, even though it lost his prestige by offering it to President uh, Obama, who hadn't done anything to deserve I, it? I think and, it ought to be and, offered to him, and yes, he ought to take it. Absolutely. Okay. 
Because I was thinking maybe Trump should say, wait till my second term, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> no, I think he should take it, and he should show it. But they need to offer it to him, but they won't. These are left-wing entities, you know. They gave it to Yasser Arafat. Can you believe that? Wow. And, and, uh, and Barack Obama. Barack Obama, uh, before he even knew where the men's room was in the uh, White House, they gave it to him. It's, it's, it, you're right, it's a farce. But if somehow it was given to uh, Donald Trump, he should take it. Go ahead, third question. My last question. Would you consider speaking to your newer listeners on the Manny Johnson, the um, color, communism, common sense? I think that would be it. On, on what again? Color, communism, and common sense by Manny Johnson. Well, I don't know anything about it. Thank you for your call. I don't know color, communism, and common sense. I don't know what that is. must be somebody's self-published book, but it speaks for itself. I will tell you this. Marx was a racist. Professor Ken Gore has written about this. So you have Black Lives Matter running around with its co-founders who claim to be Marxists. They don't even understand. They should be pulling down statues of Marx. That's why Black Lives Matter is not about race, ladies and gentlemen. It's about destroying America, just like Antifa. If it wasn't race, it would be some other issue. And it really is embarrassing and appalling to watch uh, prominent African Americans, not all, not all, most, most people are not suckers, but to watch these phonies like LeBron James and Oprah Winfrey and others, like the commissioner of the NFL, embrace what is an organization that wants to destroy the country. I've never seen so much stupidity in my life. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, a proud conservative. No ifs, ands, or buts. Call in at 877-381-3811. Alex Scarlatos is a Republican running for the Oregon 4th Congressional District. He's running against Pete DeFazio, who's been there 33 years, 33 years in a district that is marginal. And he wants to topple him, and Alec has a remarkable background. He was uh, part of a threesome who stopped a terrorist uh, on a train over there in Europe uh, who, if he had had his way, would have slaughtered God knows how many dozens, if not hundreds, of passengers on that train. You may recall the news. You may recall the Clint Eastwood movie, and Alec was in that movie. Alec, how are you, my friend? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, Peter DeFazio has been there longer than I've been alive. <laughs> well, where does he live most of the time? Well, he has a yacht in D.C. I think he still has a house in New Zealand as well and a house in District. So, um, well, 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 well. He, he lives on a boat in Washington, D.C.? I would, I, would, I would refer to it as a yacht, but yes, he lives on a boat in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so he doesn't pay property taxes. Is that a loophole? That's, that that that's is a loophole. Really? And he has a home in New Zealand, did you say? Yes. Well, when does he have time to go to New Zealand? That's not an easy flight, you know. <laughs> it's not. I mean, especially when you're a congressman from the West Coast, too. Uh, New Zealand's probably almost as close as the West Coast is. Right, DeFazio has turned out to be a leftist. Um, he might as well be representing San Francisco uh, or uh, or uh, Minneapolis. And uh, you're no leftist. Uh, you're you're sort of a traditional uh, a traditionalist, a conservative. Tell us the differences on the issues between DeFazio and you on the main issues. Well, DeFazio votes with AOC 96% of the time, so I think it's fair to say we disagree probably 96% of the time. Um, but uh, he's he used to be kind of a more moderate Democrat, but really since about the Obama years, he's gone incredibly far left. Um, I think he has a D-minus rating from the NRA. Uh, we just got endorsed and have an A rating from the NRA, and I mean, obviously, surviving a terrorist attack in the middle of a gun-free continent uh, makes me pretty pro-Second Amendment. Also, due to my experience in the military, um, Peter DeFazio also co-sponsored the Green New Deal, and Oregon's fourth congressional district is the timber capital of the world, and that piece of legislation would slaughter our middle class or what's left of it. We're already the poorest congressional district in the state of Oregon thanks to policies that Peter DeFazio and past Democrat governors have put in place over the years. So we're really hurting out here, and I'm sure you've seen the uh, entire Cascade Mountain Range just about is on fire right now, and that's really um, a product or result of 30 years of mismanagement. I mean, Peter DeFazio got elected in 1987, and, or took office in 1987, has really overseen the downfall of Oregon's timber industry and our forest management, and now we have these massive forest fires as a result. So that's one of the first things I would like to tackle if getting elected to Congress. Mm-hmm. Is this district uh, marginally Democrat, marginally Republican in the past? Uh, it's actually, it has an even PVI, so it's theoretically anyway perfectly even but the i guess the oregon republican party and republican politics in oregon we really haven't put up a good candidate against peter defazio i mean he's never had a tough re-election even though on paper the district is very competitive for instance it's the closest congressional district in the country that donald trump did not win in 2016 he only lost it by 0.1 percent so republicans can win here and they have in the past but uh, I mean, honestly, no one's just ever tried to go for Peter DeFazio, and we're definitely going to make him uh, make him work for it this time, if nothing else. But I think we stand a very good, very good chance of winning, especially if Donald Trump wins re-election. He probably also wins the district. Has uh, DeFazio raised a lot of money? Um, he's, uh, surprisingly, for being in office for 33 years and a chairman of transportation infrastructure, he's 
I think he's raised about 1.6, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's in his war chest. And I think with our the way our fundraising go, is going, we've we outraised him by six hundred thousand dollars last quarter. So we're really we're doing incredibly well. I really have no complaints. I have an excellent team, and I think that we should be able to spend about dollar for dollar against Defazio by the time the election rolls around, which is a very big deal, and I'm incredibly grateful for all the support that I've gotten from people all over Oregon and the entire United States. Now, uh, what are the major towns in your district? I know it's a pretty big district. Well, the biggest town is uh, Eugene, which is a college town, University mm-hmm. of Oregon. That's going to be one of our biggest hurdles in the election. Also, Corvallis, where, uh, Oregon State University. Roseburg, which is where I live, which is traditionally the timber capital of the world, <laughs> and um, also Coos Bay. I mean, a lot of small towns. It's a very rural district. It's actually bigger than Connecticut, and but a little smaller than Maine. So it's fairly large and rural, and most people here feel like Peter DeFazio does not represent the rural parts of the district anymore, and they're looking for a change, and hopefully we can bring that about. Now, uh, if people want to help in your campaign or learn more about your campaign or donate to your campaign, where do they go? Well, thank you. Uh, we have a Facebook page, um, Alex Scarlatos, and our website is alec4oregon.com, uh, A-L-E-K. I think I should stipulate. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, what about the Second Amendment? I assume people in rural areas, you know, they like to have their rifles, they like to hunt and so forth. Is that right? Well, absolutely, and that's a perfect issue where I think we can take away some of the more rural Democrat or blue-collar Democrat voters away from DeFazio, um, simply because he is so anti-gun. With the riots going on in just about every major city, um, Democrat politicians also wanting to defund the police at the same time, including Peter DeFazio. Uh, it's just it's, it's made a lot of people worry about the Second Amendment, and a lot of people have bought guns this year. And I think the Second Amendment is a winning issue that Republicans really need to um, hit the Democrats with, I think. It's, it's incredibly popular right now, um, mm-hmm. and you can't exactly want to defund police while take away people's guns and allow riots and expect people not to be worried about their own safety. Let's talk about these riots. Portland, obviously Oregon, but not in this district. The people of Portland have been brutalized. The federal courthouse there has been under attack for over three months. Uh, the police department must be exhausted at this point. How do you think that's going to impact your district? Well, there actually have been some smaller riots in Eugene that is in my district. But, I mean, honestly, people look at places like Portland and Seattle and all the things going on there, and they see what potentially could be our future if, people like Joe Biden and Peter DeFazio get elected to office this year, they see the stark contrast, I think, of the two party platforms and the major differences. And uh, to me, they couldn't be more obvious. I mean, allowing the riots and wanting to defund the police is absolutely the wrong answer. But in places like Portland, Oregon, the reason they haven't done it, of course, is because Kate Brown, our governor, and Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, the people rioting is a pretty large section of their voter base that they rely on to get reelected, so they're not going to count out against it. So, of course, it then goes down to the next highest elected politician, which in Oregon is Donald Trump. So he's 
tried his best to step in, and they've butted heads. And I think that it really has to be a federal response because Oregon State Police, unfortunately, their hands are tied by Kate Brown and Portland Police Bureau. Their hands are tied by Ted Wheeler, and they're not going to allow them to actually do their job. And as a result, you just have officers going out there and getting injured day after day after day. And well, let, let me ask you, stop the riots. Pete DeFazio... Uh, has he condemned Black Lives Matter? Has he condemned Antifa? Has he condemned the riots? He has condemned the more violent aspects of the riots, but of mm-hmm. course that was only well after the primary, where he's tried to uh, work more towards the middle, and he also claims that he never called for defunding of police. So at least he's starting to get a little smart now that he realizes that he's in a tough race. Isn't it amazing how they lie, Biden, Harris, and now this guy, DeFazio, and I'm sure they're doing it all over the country, these phony moderates. They go to Washington. They're hardcore left-wingers. They'll do whatever Bernie Sanders and AOC and the rest of them say. Then they come back to their districts in Oregon or New Jersey or whatever, and they lie. Isn't that what he does? He lies. (laughs) He does. I mean, he's even attacked me for saying that I want to defund Social Security and take away my own grandfather's Medicare benefits, and it's it's ridiculous, and honestly, it couldn't be farther from the truth, but I mean, they say whatever they have to say to get reelected, and they attack their opponents based on whatever the polls tell them to, and as a result, I mean, that's why everybody hates politics and politicians. It's a dirty business, and frankly, it's something that I never really wanted to do, but I just felt called that I had to do something just due to how rough my district has been, how much of a tough time we've had over the last 33 years under Peter DeFazio. If he was a good congressman and represented our district well, I mean, I wouldn't be running for office. Mm -hmm. And uh, one more thing on the Peter DeFazio. You say he's been there for 33 years? Yes, a year longer than Nancy Pelosi, actually. Can can anyone name two, three, four things he's done that actually help his district? I don't mean bringing back tons and tons of money. I mean, you say you're the, it's the biggest timber district in the country. Obviously, he hadn't done a hell of a lot for that. Absolutely not. Um, we're actually doing about half of the mandatory minimum of logging that was set in the original ONC agreement between Oregon counties and the federal government. Um, but Peter DeFazio, I think his biggest accomplishment is getting something passed on the price of college textbooks. Hmm. And that's, I think, his biggest legislative accomplishment in 33 years. Well, we're going to welcome Peter DeFazio publicly. We won't contact him directly, but publicly they can hear us. If you'd like to come on the program, Mr. DeFazio, we'd love to question you. But if you're like most liberal Democrats, you'll stay as far away from me as humanly possible. But you're welcome to come on the program. The candidate that I'm talking to and I strongly support is Alex Scarlatos. He's running for Oregon's 4th Congressional District. If you want to learn more, if you want to help him, you want to help him on Election Day, if you live out there, it's alecfororegon.com. That's A-L-E-K for Oregon.com. He's a hero. You remember, just Google his name. He's one of those three heroes on that train that stopped that terrorist. I want to wish you all the best, Alec. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and thank you for having me on. Well, God bless you, and I hope you win. We'll be right back. in. Mark 
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. What was the name of the book the gentleman mentioned who called earlier? It was called, uh, what was it called? Color, Communism, and Common Sense. I looked it up. Looks like an interesting book, actually, sir. Glad you brought it up. I had just never heard of it before. Probably very much worth reading. One of the things uh, we're learning right now is the difference between what we conservatives believe and what the radical left believes. We believe in the rule of law. They believe in anarchy. We respect our founders and our history, and they want to tear them down. We believe in liberty, and they believe in tyranny. We believe in the truth, while they believe in what they hear on CNN and read in the New York Slimes. The Woodward book, don't give it a second thought. We've analyzed it here for plenty of time and unraveled it. There's nothing to worry about in that book. I know the media is going to keep punching away. Then there'll be another book, and then there'll be another article, then there'll be another accusation. There's a whole group of disgruntled individuals who are filled with personal hate and obsession. Some of them are out front, some of them are scheming in the shadows. And they're going to do everything they can right up to election day to defeat Donald Trump. Virtually the entire media apparatus is aligned against the president. Virtually the entire federal bureaucracy is aligned against the president. Virtually all of academia is aligned against the president. Virtually all of Hollywood. These are the entities, these are the people who hate your guts. They want you to go along quietly. They had no problem with most of these Republicans. Some of them might become president, but in the end they would bend like a Romney. But Trump doesn't bend. He fights them. He fights them. A lot of these conservatives are pseudo-conservatives who've written these books over the years about conservatism and the founding and so forth. You now know they're frauds. Because now we're seeking to defend them. And while they may have some policy disputes with the president... When it comes to the Democrats and their surrogates in the streets, burning our buildings, attacking people, telling us what they're going to do in their 110-page Communist Manifesto, some of the policy differences they might have with the president are really irrelevant when we're talking about saving the republic. These people are frauds. 
They've milked you of your money over the years. Whether they're broadcasters, whether they write books, whomever they are. Websites like the Drudge Report and others. They become wealthy and famous on your backs. And now when they're needed to fight the enemy, you now know they are the enemy. It's just the way it goes sometimes, folks. Just the way it goes. We will do everything we can, we Levinites, to fight this on election day and beyond. We will do everything we can. As big as this program is, and it's massive, it's going to be up to you to convince five people, six people, three people, whomever, that they must become active, they must become resolute, they must vote, and they too must encourage other people to do the same thing. We're not going to win. In this, I hope we can all come together. These books are intentional. It's usually the same authors. Bob Woodward, there he is again. Loves taking out Republican presidents. He's a jackass. This is how he makes his money. And he goes to the bottom of the sewer where he finds the miscreants and the malcontents, the disgruntled. And he gets quotes from them. The president doesn't have a moral core. The president must be paid off by Putin. And look at this. I have an audio of the president. He's a schmuck. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I hope you'll join me right here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Same place, same time, America. Be safe and be well. See you then. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.